0: Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the football landscape. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. We've got a lot to get to on today's show, including John Gruden stepping down as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, the Bengals and Packers single-handedly proved why you should just probably not kick field goals and the Browns and Chargers game was a monumental moment in the NFL. Make sure you stick around at the end of the show. We have a very special guest, Justice and KP got to sit down with Chargers running back, Los Angeles Chargers running back, Austin Eckler. Obviously, Chargers having a fantastic season. Justin Herbert in the MVP conversation, so you do not want to miss that. Again, that's at the end of the show, so make sure you stick around for that. But let's get into it. Kyle Posey of Niners Nation and Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Well, it's a pretty big story this week. John Gruden is out as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. After a New York Times story that included emails using racist, misogynistic, and homophobic language were released earlier in the week. This coming a couple of days after other offensive emails were released uh, to the general public. Guys, obviously, Gruden had to go, and Tampa Bay is removing him from their ring of honor. But I just want to kind of get your initial thoughts on him stepping down, the way this was handled, the underlying stuff of like everything that's going on in the NFL right now.
1: I didn't understand the reporters, the national media, um, just leading up before that, you know, the NYT story dropped, um, prefacing it was 2011. Why are we doing that? Why are we acting like there's a statute of limitations on being a POS? Because essentially that's what he is, that's what he was. And there's no, you know, there's no news saying that that's changed. Um, I didn't like that, but. The fact that he hurt a ton of people and we saw, you know, the former players go on TV and talk about this. Um, It doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. It doesn't seem like this is anything new. What I do want to know is who else? Like what's next? Because this feels like the tip of the iceberg. So Gruden went down and I can only imagine, like they named some other prominent names in that article. One is a head coach of a team who's probably going to make the playoffs and probably going to go far in the playoffs. What happens there? Are any other players, former players of Gruden, going to speak out and say something about it? Because once one person does, another person is going to feel comfortable enough to do the same, and that's when it gets spiraling. That's when we start to snowball. Who knows? So I think everybody knows this is terrible. I think nobody would dispute that. At the same time, um, again, it goes back to you know prefacing. Why? What about t- two thousand eleven or? Um, it, it's the same type of people. All down
2: it's private conversations, <laughs> private conversations. You can't, you can't use that. I, I, I don't understand that either. Also, the timing of all of this was very weird where, so apparently the Raiders knew about this. They knew that this was going to come out. They knew about the emails and then they still let people like, uh, the two most prominent ones, right? Because everyone watched the Sunday night show they are Tariko and Dungy. I mean, they just let them just go to bat for Gruden, and then it comes back and slams them in the face, and they knew that it was going to happen. They let Gruden coach a game. Um, they let Gruden go out there with the excuse of, there's not a racist bone in my body, knowing that this was going to drop pretty soon. Um, just crazy. And the the fact that, like, one, it's very weird that the league is saying that they didn't leak this when, okay, there's two options here. Either the league leaked this, right, or someone else has, like, 600,000 emails that were in the league's hands and only the league's hands if i don't see some type of like try like attempt of a track down by the league to figure out who got these damn emails then i'm just gonna assume that it was right and then the question then from there becomes like why did the league want to essentially like kneecap a coach active in the middle of a season that's a very weird that that shouldn't be overlooked and it shouldn't be overlooked that these these stories are coming in waves too the fact that Got ahead of um they got the first story up before Demoris Smith uh was up for election to be the head of the NFLPA again. If the league was leaking news that was able to essentially name the head of the players' union, that's a huge story. That's massive, that's an incredible conflict of interest, and like people should be legitimately. Um, that's not taking away anything that Gruden said, right? Like, he's obviously. Moron, the Raiders obviously did this like the worst way possible Shot by it. just letting him play this out and letting people basically become meat shields for Gruden, knowing that the hammer was going to drop on. But there's a lot of like weird things involved in this. Um, it shouldn't go overlooked that, uh, you know, they were talking about Washington's general manager and our former general manager and John Gruden sending <laughs> back and forth topless photos of the Washington cheerleaders. Mind you, these are cheerleaders who had like went on, uh, a shoot once where their passports were taken away taken away from them, right? Like that's what this whole investigation was supposed to be about. So I don't know if it's going to – I mean, think of like the guys who were in Washington during that time, right? Gruden's brother was a head coach. Um, Kyle Shanahan was there. Sean McVay was there. I don't know if it goes to that. I, I, I think this is more about like Washington's organization and I don't know if the news is going to stop here, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's – gonna stop here and I, I want to get back to what you were saying about you know them trotting Tariko and, and dungy out there and letting them defend Gruden when they had to have known that these were going to come out because the way this stuff usually works and it's not the hey Adam Schefter, Bruce Allen, you want to look at my you want to look at my article and edit it for me or whatever. But usually when something like this that calls into question somebody's character and things that they've said or whatever, a journalistic entity will reach out and ask for a comment and let you know that they are going to release this. So they had to have known about it ahead of time. But as we've seen before in the NFL... They just hope that it gets brushed under the carpet and nobody has to worry about it and and they can just move on with their day. And so instead of them getting out ahead of it and acting on it as the Raiders should have, they just sat by and made themselves look like fools. And we see this over and over and over again in the league. And and it's just a problem. And I do think that there's going to be more to this because as you mentioned this was supposed to be a washington story like this is supposed to be a washington football team story and all of the horrific stuff that we've heard come out of that organization i have to expect that there's gonna be more in the future because this feels like it's just the lead-in to other more awful things that we're gonna find out that came out of this investigation and yeah if somebody else is sitting on these emails and leaking it then the nfl's got a huge problem on their hands but it feels like this is something that the NFL's just, it feels like they're trying to get out ahead of something that they know is going to be bad. And Gruden was just the first one to fall on the sword for.
2: The NFL does so many things to actively not look bad, right? Um, and to not punish people who make them money, right? We talked about, on this show, we did a whole summer of it, of what the hell is Roger Goodell doing about Deshaun Watson? It's very right? So to see them actively like kneecap, their own what one of their head coaches is very weird and it seems it does not make sense for the league to come out here just throw one of their head coaches under the bus the NFLPA comes out and says release all the other emails they say no and it just goes away i don't think that that that's how this is out there's going to be something bigger at the end of this what, what it is i don't know i mean you know it seems like they wanted to uh shed snyder from, from that role before, you know, in, in terms of ownership, um, they had that whole switch where, you know, his wife is now in control of a lot of the ownership after what uh, the news that came out about the Washington cheerleaders. Maybe it's interesting that it went through the New York Times instead of going through the Washington Post. they like Jeff Bezos, right? Like Jeff Bezos is a guy who could buy a Washington football team. Maybe it doesn't look like a conflict of interest if you run the initial th- uh, the initial news through the New York Times. Like, there's a lot of things that are happening here. And I think, you know, the Schefter and Bruce Allen thing I think only opens the eyes to sports fans of seeing, like, how news is kind of created in terms of, like, the whole process. Right? Like, news doesn't just pop out pop out of anywhere. It's still humans creating this news. And there's relationships um, that are being massaged during it. Right? So I think the bigger story here. Not to take, again, not to take away anything that like Gruden's a bozo. He should be gone. They made the right decision by forcing him out. Um, They made the wrong decision by by letting him resign instead of firing him, to be, to be fair. But I think the bigger story when we're going to be looking back at this in a couple months is like, oh, this was the start of X and trying to figure out what X. Is.
1: So what I think they're trying to do is the same thing that the NFL tries to do with everything. Save face, put on a PR stunt and use money to solve their problems. DeMora Smith, you talked about him being up, um, all of a sudden he was up for you know a new position and they gave him a raise. And when you talk about Mike Tirico and Tony Junji, they put two black people who are prominent faces out there to talk about the situation, hoping that maybe this goes away. With Gruden, I imagine they, saw, they thought that he would, you know, take the fall and then this would kind of get swept under the rug. Hey, we did it, we got rid of him. Nobody else is in trouble. That's just not how this is going to work because once information comes out, people are going to start digging, 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 and they just want to know more. And that's exactly what's going to ha- happen. I think the NFL just proves once again that they just don't know how to handle any type of adversity or any type anything that goes out of plan, like that they did not plan for.
0: They, it's just can't we just make money? Like, like that, that—that's literally how they react to everything. And then it's like, all right, fine, we'll fire him or we'll. We'll we'll find this person or whatever, but like, can't we just make money? Like that's, it feels like they're longing for the days that they could do that. And that's just not how it is anymore. And, you know, it goes back to even the way they handled the Colin Kaepernick situation. And then all of a sudden, uh, the following summer, last summer, like all of a sudden they're, they're standing in solidarity with the message that he was trying to represent at the time. And they've been behind on all of this stuff Every single time they've always put it on the back burner and acted like the money is the only thing that matters. And it's been proven time and time again, you're going to make the money anyways. All these people who say that like, Oh, you you don't stand for the national anthem. I'm, I'm not watching football anymore or whatever. All those people keep watching. It's proven. the ratings are, are as high as they've ever been right now. And so it, we have to push them. Like we have to push the NFL as people that work in the media and we have to hold them to a standard and it it shouldn't be that hard. Like it's, it's not asking that much, really. You're going to make the money. So stop acting like it's the dollars and the advertisers that you're scared of. Like you can do this stuff without doing it all cloak and dagger and being late to the party on every single situation. It's not all just a PR stuff. Like you can actually represent things that matter to people. It's, it's okay. NFL. There's lots of things that you can accomplish with the reach that you have.
1: There were a lot of national media members who have prominent voices who are very silent about this. And when I say that, I mean, just because you retweeted something does not mean anything. Like, this is an opportunity for you to have a voice. And whenever these situations come up, they they remain silent. And when I say they, I think everybody knows who I'm talking about, like the type of people. And that is the problem. Like, that is the issue. And that is why we see the former players get on TV so emotional because this has been happening for a long time and it doesn't seem like going to change anytime soon because the people who have the opportunity or the people who can hold these voices accountable, they never do it. And that's what's so frustrating.
2: Yeah. And even recent players, right? I mean, so if, if for whatever reason the NFL did release these, right, they're not, they're not going to, but if they did, I mean, how fast is the uh, control F Kaepernick going through those? I mean, Instantly, right? Yeah. Marquette King was on Twitter yesterday saying, Hey, I, you know, my whole thought was being like, I was blackballed from the league and Gruden just let me go. And it was like, Hey, you're too show offy to, to be a punter. I mean, we had him in the XFL. He did pretty well for us. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of things that now we have to like look back at, right? And you're like, Okay. Well, how did that play into X How did that play into this? How did that play into that? And that that's why I think it's, again, very weird because one the nfl is the only people with these right the the only entity with these two they opened up this pandora's box so there's i feel i just feel like there's got to be something because this couldn't have been the end game like this is such a bad look for the league i can't imagine after everything that they've done on under the goodell administration of like cover-ups to like shady things to like ignoring stuff That they would want to be in front of
0: so to all the people that are this is a violation of of john gruden's privacy like I, i would just say that a lot of those people who are making that argument are the ones who hold athletes to these impossibly high standards of that guy is a role model for my child he needs to when he lives his everyday life he goes out in public or he does anything he needs to have that in mind that my child has his poster on his wall and that he's representing like my child's dreams and stuff like that. It's not unreasonable to say that the people who are in charge should be held to those standards too. I think those standards are unfair in general. And I I think that there's better role models you could probably find. And some of these guys are genuine role models, but It's not absurd to want the people in charge to be held to the same standard that the athletes are. And the coaches are demanding that of the athletes, too. So it's perfectly fair in my mind for the athlete to want the coach to do the same thing and to represent the same things that they're asking them to.
1: I think there's a story about Lane Kiffin that came out when he he was at FAU. um, I believe it was FAU that he didn't look the same, that he was holding players to a certain account. Um, he wanted players to have a certain work ethic, but because he didn't have that, um, he d- you know it didn't go over well. Now he's, in a, he's at Ole Miss, he's on a healthier diet, and things are going well. So like that is a good example of coaches doing what they tell the players to do. Um, in this situation, when we're just talking about how people talk about player or and whatever it may be, it's only when they're uncomfortable about the topic at hand. That's the only time these ever come up. Um, speaking of Marquette King, he was third in the NFL in net punting in 2017, man. There's no reason that he should have been. And he was, like, really good and also really young. Um, And now he's not in the NFL. Like, he lasted, what, one more year with the Broncos? Never came
2: back. So well, I think we all know why now. Very odd. The the One of the, like, most, I guess you would say benign, um, I guess, relatively, right, uh, things that he said was, like, about concussions. But it was, like, Gruden's pro concussion. Was like the the thought that came through, and it's just like, who is this guy? Is it? Like, what's
0: this guy's deal? You know what I mean? So,
2: yeah, I don't know. He's, I don't know if his head screwed on straight.
0: Pro pro brain damage. Yeah, that's that's what John, that's what John Gruden represents right now. So, I mean, let me tell you what his his players don't think that way. I'm
2: sure his <laughs> players like read that and they're like, hell no, absolutely mm-hmm.
0: not. All, all right, John, you throw on the helmet and pads, and you get out there and see how you feel. You get a get a concussion from Miles Garrett or something. Let's see how, see how you're feeling after that, John. But all right, we've got a ton of other stuff to talk about today and we got to open things up with our guy Urban Meyer who had a revolutionary 250 250 plan. He wants 250 passing yards, 250 rushing yards a game, 500 yards of offense. That's what they're striving to in Jacksonville. And then owner Shad Khan was asked about John Gruden resigning, and he said that Gruden made the right choice resigning, which kind of seemed like a shot at Urban for refusing to leave the job when it seems like the owner of the team is sick of it. He just wants you gone. So uh, our, our weekly update on Urban Meyer, what do we got this week, fell?
2: He lucked out with his Gruden news, right? Hey, there go the headlines, national headlines. I mean, that did buy him some time, frankly. I mean, we talk about how... You know, a lot of a lot of these uh, head coaching and general manager jobs, like being able to stay in power, is definitely something that you have to na- navigate politically. Um, part of that is the press, frankly. So I, I do think that like that has made an impact on kind of uh, Urban's situation. But what Sean Conn said was, was funny. <laughs> I mean, he said Gruden made the right choice, right choice to resign, and that can be seen as a shot to Urban. You know, I mean, Urban didn't step down when. You know, many people thought that maybe he would. And now he's being judged off of, like, can his team give effort? Um, I don't know if you guys saw the end of that Tennessee game, but, buddy, that fourth quarter, once Tennessee had the lead and they wanted to run downhill with Derrick Henry, you could see that Jags defense quit. And they were quitting in the red zone. Um, That's never what you want to see. But, like, yeah, man, I, I could see this spiraling, like, on the field pretty quick.
1: Wasn't the fourth quarter the tip of the iceberg for that? Right, think about exactly. it. They played,
2: Tennessee is not a good
1: football team. I know they're 3-2, and two, but heading into this week, they had allowed more points than they scored. And teams were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted to against them on offense. I don't know what is going to change with the Jaguars, but you cannot get smoked at home against the Titans
0: team. Again,
1: I, weren't they without also Julio and A.J. still? But anyway.
0: Um, A.J. played, but he was on a limited snap count. Right, right, right. Julio did not play.
1: Oh, and they still allow thirty-seven points,
0: man, to the Titan. Um, yeah, Urban has to go.
1: He didn't he was very fortunate that um he had another a bigger bone head, but Urban, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's next. I don't know what they're thinking is going to change, but the product on the field is not it. And when they're not bought into their coach, which is so obvious the case, there has to be
0: it feels like you're in really bad shape when the most realistic thing your coach has said is that we want to put up 500 yards of offense. Like, that's the most realistic thing about football, I feel like Urban has said, since he's become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that happens, like, I saw a stat that uh, people said that
2: on average in NFL history, that's happened less than one time a season. 250 passing yards, too. So, yeah, I mean, and I also saw that uh, under urban at ohio state they had never averaged that season long but since ryan day has taken over ohio state has averaged that every single season goodness that's gracious. what he's
0: looking at he's looking at their numbers and he's like yeah that's what i want that's what doesn't, I want.
2: doesn't just him talking you get like Purdue that, on the schedule man with
1: that mindset tell you just how out of touch he is just tell you that he's never been one to adjust that it sounds like he thinks Taking this Jaguars job, hey, I got a five-star QB. I'm going to be good. I can just roll my players out there, and I'm going to score against anybody. That's just not how the NFL works. And His line of thinking, everything that the Jags have done to this point, just tells you that Urban is just not a guy who's going to make any type of adjustments. So another reason to get him out of there.
2: Did he take – it really does at this point. He took that job with, like, the sole pitch being Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost before. And he's not going to start now. And that was like the beginning and the end of his whole thought process of taking over this franchise.
1: Didn't care who else was on the roster. Just knew that he had the number one overall pick. Knew that Trevor Lawrence was a godsend based on what he's done in college. And he was going to win in the NFL just because of that. (laughs) Just look around. That's not how it works at all, man. He
0: He just watched a Trevor game at Clemson. And he was like, all right, that's it. That's all I need to know. Don't care who else is on the roster. I'll bring in a bunch of veterans that nobody wants and it will hire my buddies as coaches
1: draft his teammate.
0: So uh, I do want to talk about a player who actually put up 500 yards of (laughs) offense by himself on Monday night football. Lamar Jackson is just on a complete and total different level. And it works out so perfect this season after the, the leak of, oh, t- executives around the league think that they figured out Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's going to struggle this season. And then Lamar comes out and he's just like, nah, I can pass better than I've ever been able to pass before, which he has improved on every single year that he's been in the NFL, by the way. And he's still the most dynamic running quarterback that maybe we've ever seen. Like Lamar has been absolutely unreal. I think the Ravens with all the injuries that they're dealing with and their roster, like they're a four and one football team right now without Lamar Jackson this year, the Ravens are like a one win team at this point in the season. He's been absolutely unreal. Who would they be?
1: Who do you think that they would have beaten um, without Lamar? Because I'm not sure that they do win a game. Just think about the lions. They were down in that game. It took (laughs) Lamar converting fourth and 19, essentially out of his own end zone. For Justin Tucker to even have a chance at that, um, he's been unreal this last game. Just everything that we see from Lamar, it's like, yep, that makes sense. I think we're almost I to this that we're kind of normalizing his greatness because he does so many things in a game, whether it's the first quarter, whether it's second quarter, whether it's third quarter, whether it's outrunning a DB, whether it is running out of a sack, whether it's throwing the ball outside of a hash 40 yards down the field. Um, the things that he can put together in a in a sequence of a play – And then everything adds up at the end of the game. So, what, he had like six or seven incompletions. Uh, I think he had almost 50% of his throws went for first downs, which is pretty ridiculous considering he dropped back 43 times. Um, His EPA was close to 0.5, which, all right. (laughs) Um, Everything that he did against um, just this last week was like, wow, how bad is the NFL (laughs) when they thought that they were going to figure him out? He's getting better. He's 24. I I don't know. We're we're running out of pros to talk about. Imagine once he actually gets a starting wide receiver who is capable of winning, you know, who's not like 5'7", who can actually catch the ball. Rashad Bateman, he's coming soon. Hopefully Bateman is the savior. But I I think that, you know, with him having to rely on Mark Andrews makes makes everything that Lamar is doing that much impressive. Like, they don't have Ronnie Stanley. Um, Kudos to Greg Roman for letting Lamar be Lamar because a lot of OCs don't do that. But, I mean, how much credit does Roman get when he has a superstar player?
2: Yeah, I think you could feel that game slipping away. I don't know how you guys felt about it seeing live, but, like, the Colts had the lead, but you just started seeing their cornerbacks just dropping. And then Lamar just blacks out in the fourth quarter and just turns it on. I mean, it, it was an amazing thing to watch. Does Lamar look bigger this year, too? Like, he looks, like, more physical. Too. Um, That's kind of interesting, because, like, if he's if he's able to withstand some of those hits more, you know, that's something people were always worried about with kind of how... His frame was built. Um, I know he doesn't take a ton of shots because he's spinning and juking. He's not giving you a straight body shot every single time. But if he's able to do that, plus with that weight, I mean, that's going to be something that's going to help elongate his career,
0: too. Oh, what I think what the narrative is going to be now that he's like proving all the doubters wrong, that he is a legitimate QB one in the NFL, he can pass, he can run, he can do everything and do it at an exceptional level. The narrative is going to shift to, well, you know, running quarterbacks just have a short shelf life, so he's going to get hurt. <laughs> but the thing is, Lamar's never gotten hurt like Lamar. And he doesn't like I when I watch him run, like I, I almost think of him like we used to kind of make fun of Tom Brady and like the Alex Guerrero thing where like they said like they made his muscles really flexible, like they're rubber bands or whatever. And that's why he doesn't get hurt when he gets it. That's how I feel about Lamar. Like whenever he gets hit, I can't think of a time where I was like, "Oh, Lamar got popped right there." It's like he's so graceful that he even like glides into hits and then like slides down or whatever. Like he he does not get hurt. He's a really smart runner on top of being the fastest quarterback in the NFL. He's just incredible. And I'm so, I'm so happy he's he's playing. Is exceptionally is as- It'll be... The
2: injury thing is just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Russell Wilson's missing his first game, right, in his NFL career. And it's a finger injury. It's not like it's an ACL or anything like that. Um, You look at the other mobile quarterbacks in the league, like uh, Rodgers isn't what you would call like a running quack, right? Whatever the hell that means. But like his injuries, when he's been out of the pocket and stuff like that, it's been collarbone, right? So like it's usually like a bone injury. It's not even like your ligaments or anything like that, which is really what ends up costing you time. You're not getting a square shot on them. Like that's that's just not gonna happen. We we he runs the ball,
1: he has ran the ball so much that by now, if it were going to happen, it would have. Um, I think it's gonna be Lamar. He can't win the big like until he wins a Super Bowl, that's gonna be the only critique that people have left. Oh, he doesn't have Super Bowl rings, so that means he's not good in Republic. That's gonna be all they have to grasp.
0: Yeah, that 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 good is look, a good time's point. coming. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know and i'm I'm looking back at the Ravens schedule like you're right they would probably be 0 and five without lamar jackson right now because their one loss was that week one uh just crazy overtime game against the raiders and then yeah that lions game like there's no reason there's no way they're in position to even win that lions game if they don't have lamar jackson so yeah we're talking about an 0 and five football team without lamar on the field so that, that leads us to our next game. Uh, if you know well, we'll get in the MVP conversation a little bit here. Cause I think Lamar Jackson is absolutely in the mix there, but another guy who's probably in the mix and a guy who's probably fallen out of it at this point, uh, the Kansas city chiefs got absolutely dominated by the Buffalo bills on Sunday night. You guys know, I work for Arrowhead pride. I cover the chiefs. They're bad right now. They're a bad football team their defense is giving up like the most yards per play of any defense in NFL history. They <laughs> cannot cover anybody to save their lives. They get absolutely no pressure up front. Their linebackers are slow and unathletic. And then that's before you get to Dan Sorensen and how he is getting exposed on a weekly basis. I still think that I talked about it a little bit uh The Chiefs are still good because of Patrick Mahomes, but what Chiefs fans are starting to realize is that, like, oh, the Chiefs are like every other team in the NFL, even when they have Mahomes, is that when all the other pieces don't click right, sometimes this thing gets bad in a hurry. And Chiefs fans are just starting to figure that out, that, like, oh, no, even Mahomes isn't above that. This thing can fall off a cliff fast.
1: The Chiefs have a worse EPA per play than Urban Meyer's coach team. (laughs) That is tough. Their success rate on defense is 54%, which is the worst in the NFL. Both of those numbers are in the NFL, they are slow or small. They cannot get a pass rush and they can't cover. All of those things are not ideal when you play defense. All of those things are not ideal when you play Josh Allen. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what the team end of this year, like what would change for them. Essentially, Pat, roll the ball out. Hey, Pat, go save us. And that's what essentially they were hoping would happen. And that's not happening because Pat Mahomes, whether it's holding on to the ball, just making decisions. He looks a lot like the Texas Tech version that, pe- that people were scared of. And that isn't it.
2: Yeah. And the other thing, too, if we're talking about like how that game played out, Reggie Gilliam uh, got into the game as their fullback. He actually made the start for the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is a team that lives in 11 personnel. Like, they are almost limited in the way that they play 11 personnel. And they were just – they got a fullback into the game, and they were able to run a little bit on Kansas City. Like, that's how bad Kansas City's defense – Yeah. I mean, the fact – yeah, I was like, I didn't even know they had a fullback on the roster, (laughs) frankly. I was like, who the hell is that guy in the backfield? Why are they in the I-formation? So, yeah, I mean, that's NFL teams live telling you what they think about that Kansas City. They're very – They feel like a glass cannon, right? Can you keep up in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes? Yes or no? If the answer is no, we can win in a shootout. The answer is yes, we'll probably lose that game. I mean, that's what happened with the Buffalo Bills on that game. And I really do wonder, like, the Chiefs are, I mean, two and three is nothing to, like, keep your nose held high at, right? In terms of, like, are they going to make the playoffs? That's a real question. I know the AFC is all sorts of a mess, especially now. Who knows what the Raiders are going to look like, you know, after, after, to switch at head coach Um, you know maybe there's a good chance Kansas City sneaks in as one of the last two wild card teams or something like that but I mean it's a question at this point in the season if they're going to make it into the playoffs and if they are going to make it into the playoffs is every single game on the road with that defense with that run game I mean the game starts to change a little bit once you get in out in cold weather and who knows like your first road games at Baltimore how are you going to keep up with that that running game right there's just no way I think the the
1: big difference was last year, and even a little bit the year before. Like the Chiefs were sleepwalking; you can tell that they just didn't care about the regulars. This year, they're just not very good. Uh, they just yeah. can't get any stops, and it's it's affecting them on both sides of the ball.
0: And that, yeah, that catches up to you. Like they went an entire regular season last year, being so much better than everybody else that they were like, "Oh, we don't have to try that hard in these games." That's not gonna last in the NFL. Like guys, just they get worked and they get injured and they lose a step and it just, you can't continue to play like that. Like even I think what's struggling or what, what's making their offense struggle even this year is that in 2018, they had the worst defense in the NFL, but Patrick Mahomes won an MVP and that was his first year as a starter. And I think he was just kind of playing like at an unconscious level where, he just knew like, oh, I can just go out and I got to show the league who I am and and make them know that I've arrived, that I can be that dude. And now this year, he went into it and said after that week one performance, like, oh, I got to score 50 every game because this defense is that bad. And it's just getting them into trouble and they're turning the ball over. They've got the worst turnover differential in the NFL. Like, it's just kind of falling apart right now, but – they do have a nice three-game stretch here against Washington, Tennessee, and the New York Giants before they take on the Green Bay Packers. So, like, they've got some time where there's a little bit room, more room for error against those three teams than some of these other teams that they've started the season against. So, I think maybe they'll get some things figured out here. The defense isn't going to get better. Like, I just, I, I just think the defense is what it is, and you hope Mahomes just settles down and they stop turning the football over and they'll just keep scoring more points than everybody else. But I, I do want to talk about the Bills because I was skeptical about the Bills coming into that football game. Like, are, are you guys on the Bills train now? Like, is this the best team in the NFL, in your opinion? Uh, I want to see
2: them play a team that has a quarterback that runs the uh, defensive game plan that the Steelers had in That's really what I'm – and I thought Kansas City maybe would have gotten us a chance uh, at that look where you know the the Steelers got that win in week one basically by just being able to set the edge on Josh Allen and forcing him to throw from the pocket. Um, That's very hard to do if you're going to be passing an 11 personnel specifically uh, from the pocket at the clip that the Bills are doing right now. Um, So, I mean, it's nice that you're seeing the Bills – do this stuff i think certainly you know there's a group of teams at the top of the nfl right now and they're in that conversation but i'm not ready to anoint them as like the number one i, I just don't know even know if there is a number one. the bills
1: next five games titans dolphins jaguars jets colts it's
2: gonna cool. be tough we'll get an answer in uh, december <laughs> that's what i'm saying like yeah. it's gonna be tough to answer yeah. this
1: question just because they're not gonna be challenged and coming into the season i thought that they were would be the best team in the afc have we seen enough to say yes, that was right, or yes or no, you were wrong? I don't really think so. Um, unfortunately, it might, it might not happen until the playoffs, with, with uh, based on who who they play. But uh, it looks like they play the Bucks in December. But what's that? That's just like a one-off game that really doesn't tell us much about them. So uh, I, I just gonna I'm just gonna say that their offense is really good. Their offense is explosive. Josh Allen is probably more consistent than he's ever been. He still has, you know, a couple throws that make you go, you know, what are you doing? But they have so much talent around him Um, to have one of the best receivers for him made Allen so much better. Having a veteran compliment, the Stephon Diggs on the other side, bringing in Emmanuel Sanders like that. He is a clear cut, a step above, you know, what Cole Beasley brings to that offense. And then having Beasley in the inside and Dawson Knox, who is, a great tight end for what they do just as far as athletic speed guy. Um, the weapons that Buffalo has will make them tough against anybody. So um, I lean yes, but I I'm, I can't say, you know, because they beat the Chiefs or because they beat the teams that they've beaten so far that they are the best team.
0: Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, an absolutely fantastic pickup for the Buffalo. So I, I need to dive into this. Bengals Packers game really Here we quick go. because Here we go. <laughs> it was one of the most incredible games I've ever watched in my entire life. Uh the field goal game, the game of field goals. I don't know what we're calling it. I don't know if there's a name for it at this point, but I've never seen a better reason for why you should not play for field goals then the way that game ended with what was it four consecutive miss field goals or five consecutive miss field goals it was absolutely unreal i've never seen anything like it in my entire life it was incredible
2: it was awful it it was brutal to watch my girlfriend was legitimately like checking in on my like mental health during the <laughs> game she was like I, you're just like slumping into the couch like more and more i don't get it um so i wanted to talk to you guys about this live but or tell the story live but uh so that long touchdown shot to Jamar Chase with like 20 seconds left in the half, right? The way that that played out was very interesting. So they get a deep shot. Joe Burrow's just back there patting the ball for like eight seconds. The Packers only rushed two pass rushers and everyone at home is wondering why, why the hell did that happen, right? That's a very weird way to play the end of a half. Like, why are you giving him a deep shot with no pressure? What ends up happening, I guess, Lafour told the, the press yesterday that the defense heard a check that the Cincinnati Bengals, made, right? That same check is the check that the Packers run offensively for. It must have been something like a quarterback draw or the way that they played it with their pass rush. Because uh, Zach Taylor and LaFleur had coached together, they had assumed that the check would cross over across offenses. So the defense heard a check, thought that it was going to be like quarterback draw or something. They sent two defensive tackles as a pass rushers. And then the outside linebackers just folded in like, on top of the line of scrimmage, right? Just didn't go after the quarterback at all. Burrell's like, what the hell just happened? Scrambles out to the right. Uh, They had the player tracking data on this. Chase ran 108 yards. 108 yards in an end-of-half scenario. Caught the touchdown. It was almost broken up by Darnell Savage. He ran from the left side of the field all the way outside of the numbers, deep down the field. Must have been like at least 40 yards outside of the right numbers. Just a weird way to end the half i had never heard that before i've heard like players messing up checks before when like words rhyme i had never heard we made a bad guess on what the offensive check was based off of what our offense had.
0: that's incredible that's was i that's gotta be zach taylor like just is that like a nod between coaches like he intentionally did that in that game I have I have no idea. But yeah, I mean, I heard that and I had
2: to like rewind it like three times because I had never heard. that. I've coached high school football before.
0: Right. I've heard every excuse in the book. I've never heard that one. That's that's incredible. If that was like intentionally put in to mess with them. I love that. I am all for more chess being played like chess pieces being little, uh, Easter eggs, like being put within the NFL games for that between in between coaches, uh, before we get to Austin Eckler, I want to talk about this Browns and chargers game as well. Uh, incredible game, uh, high scoring, uh, two great young head coaches, Kevin Stefanski, Brandon Staley, uh, the Browns, just pushed Austin Eckler into the end zone to save time at the end of the game and get the ball back. Like the analytics that were going on in this game are a huge win for the analytic community in the NFL, like two young NFL head coaches who just understands the odds and the positive game script, situational football stuff is incredible. And that's why they're like two of the most fun young teams in the NFL to watch right now.
1: Yeah. They're going for it on fourth and 11, man. Um, I think Brandon Staley knew, well, it was 27, 13 when he went for it on fourth and 11. I think he knew that a field goal, what is that going to do for you right now? That's going to do absolutely nothing because you need two touchdowns to win for whatever reason, uh, the dinosaurs in the league, have yet to figure out that touchdowns are more valuable than field goals, and that the odds of your offense picking it up on fourth and four, or whatever, as opposed to you punting the ball, you preventing from the defense to, for you preventing the defense to getting to where the spot you punted from, like the odds are higher. Very simple math to me. I would under I, if I can understand that, you think an NFL coach would understand that? But yeah, kudos to Brandon Staley, and then uh, kudos to the Browns as well for doing the same thing. So they they're aggressive. And they they rely on their playmakers to do that, and that's another thing. You see a lot of these old school coaches go for it on fourth down. It's usually like a run up the middle or just any sort of any type of run where we're seeing Herbert spread the ball out, go to his best player. Baker, spread the ball out. You get him on the move, and he just dumps underneath to Odell Beckham crossing the middle. I know he dropped one, but they have designed they're designing plays where they're throwing the ball and they're getting matchups that you want on fourth downs. I think they really understand um, just how fourth down works and how you can score and move the ball on fourth down.
2: If analytics is going to give us like 90 point thrillers, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that, right? In football, the analytics work almost opposite of like baseball, right? In baseball, all the analytics serve defensively to a point where it's just solo shot home runs, right? I mean, that's basically what uh, baseball is right now. And then you look at the NFL and it's like points are going up. We've never had as many close games, I don't think, as we've had the first five weeks of this season. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's making the product better. So who can complain about this, right? You, who, who, Like, who, who's mad about this? Punters? Punters are like, ah, they're taking my opportunities. Yeah, no one, no one's advocating for the punters, right? Now. Get them out of here and let's get an extra roster spot to a personal player.
0: Yeah, I am all for the modern-day NFL just being games. Like, that's what this game was. <laughs> like, because imagine Madden, you just fourth and 17, I'm going for it. Screw it. I'm pissed off. Whatever. Yeah, let's do that in real football. I am about all of it.
2: Or we can
1: just kick field goals every time like the Bengals and the Packers, baby.
2: <laughs> the Packers, first time in the entire history of the 100-plus-year franchise. They've had a 300-yard passer, a 200-yard rusher, and a uh, two hundred yard receiver and a one hundred yard rusher, and they came away
0: with twenty five points. Amazing, amazing. I, I was like cutting Mason Crosby in that game. <laughs> I cut him five times. <laughs> what is Mason still doing out there? Like he's got no business being in this game. I think
1: Crosby's hair grew more gray as this, as the game went along.
0: Yeah, I was I was ready for him to just be like, put the punter, out. let him kick it. I don't I don't want to do it. Again. I can't. I can't go through this. Ah, uh, yeah. Just stop kicking field goals. That's yes. We want. We want the the Madden Sims. The the fifty point fifty point games. That's what we. But thank you guys so much for listening to NFL University. As I mentioned, we're going to take a quick timeout, and when we get back, KP and Justice sat down with Los Angeles Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Going to talk to him about that crazy game from this past week. So you absolutely want to stick around for that. But make sure you follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q and make sure you follow K-P at K-P underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me, Austin Eckler, coming up next.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: Welcome back to SB Nation's NFL show, NFL University. We are joined by a very special guest, Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers. Austin, what's going on today?
4: What's going on, boys? appreciate you having me on.
1: Yeah, anytime, man. So let's talk about your partnership with Sleep Number. So Austin, you are partnering with Sleep Number. And can you just tell us a little bit about us? So what we know is, you know, you're helping educate students just about the importance of sleep, you know, overall for their health their wellness and how that can impact their athletic and academic performance.
4: Yeah. uh, You know, this is a a partnership that, you know, plays within (laughs) just my life. And so it's been really easy to come out and, you know, do events and uh, get involved with Sleep Number and, you know, who they're partnering with, Gen Youth, has been doing in their initiative um, because it's really what I'm about as well. Um, I think it really comes down to um, just – Health in general. What does that mean? Like mental health and physical health, both combined, because they all play into a part uh, of our everyday lives. And where do we start to develop habits for that? And that's that's in the youth, right? That's when we're younger. And so if we can get ahead of the curve and start to educate uh, just the younger generations about how important our mental health and physical health are, then I think you know sleep comes into that conversation. I think you, what Sleep Number is doing is just so important because, especially in today's you know, where we see so much when it comes to talking about, you know, just how people are doing. Um, and a lot of it comes down to are we sleeping, right? That's how we start every single day. What do you do every single day? You you wake up, you know, and you wake up and then you're, you know, you kind of evaluate, okay, how am I feeling? Am I feeling tired? Am I feeling this way or from that way? And so it's a part of just the entire cycle. And so, you know, it's something that I'm very passionate about as well because um, I'm big when it comes to just community involvement and just having other people just, you know, be able to learn and you know learn about themselves and be able to grow skills from themselves that so they can help them in their future. And so this is right in line with what sleep members trying to do. So definitely uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. So you're focusing on just teaching
1: students at Bethune middle school in
4: LA. Can you tell us about a little bit about the four quarters that you're working on? Yeah. So the four quarters is uh, what Gen youth um, is using just to kind of help, you know, people just relate the youth for relate, you know, youth. It's, You know, they need things to make it easier for just people in general need things to make it easier for people just to remember. So, you know, the four quarters, uh, are breakfast, right? Just waking up, you know, starting your day off, getting in a routine. And that's really what the four quarters are. It's a routine. Um, just making sure you take your breakfast, um, and then going into your wellness and just your mental wellness and understanding like, Hey, you know what? Every single morning, let's get to get get to a good place mentally before you start the day so that you can go out and have a productive day and come back at the end of the day and just understand, okay, start off on the right foot, you know, let's do it every single day. Um, and then it comes into just being active, active as well, right? We have the mental side, and then we have the physical side um, and making sure you're taking care of your body and then bringing it home and sleeping, right? And putting that routine into progress. You know, we all have a lot of different things that go on throughout the day. So if we're able to get these four things, then just your wellness in general will continue to you know just see better and better results just because it's a routine it really is and if you get in a routine early on in your life it becomes who you are and that becomes easier to transition into adulthood where you now it's a little bit harder for you to get into a routine because you have a job and so but if it's a part of you like it was for me growing up working out um and taking care of myself you know you find time to make these things work and so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to help implement better habits into the youth and into people in general, um, including sleep. And so that's what the four quarters um, for Gen Z and sleep number are about. So the Chargers and the Browns just finished
1: playing one of the most exciting games that we've seen all season, 47, 43. How happy were you to get to that sleep number bed after that game?
4: Oh man, look, uh, I have a place out in Vegas and that's, I literally reached out to sleep number Like you guys, like I need, I need a bed out here. Like, cause I, I had my place in LA. And I, that's how the, the connection began, began. It's like, Hey, like I tried sleeping on a different bed. It doesn't work. Like I need the sleep member. I'm just, I feel like that's my bed now. And so as far as if you haven't slept on or gone to like even one of the, the stores to try out like the, the different settings and how it adjusts to you when you're sleeping, um, I would definitely recommend. There's other things you can do with it, too, as far as like seeing your sleep score. So you can actually keep track of it. Um, and see like when you're restless and stuff they have a lot of technology built in but for me i think the main part is like being able to adjust the bed and have it automatically adjust to like roll over it, like basically makes it so if you're putting too much pressure in one spot like evens it out for you and so just as a nfl athlete you know a good night's sleep is crucial for me because i have to be able to wake up every single day and feel good and actually go out and produce and perform every single day um so like i said in the nfl the routine is is key like that's what we teach our, our young guys to come and, Hey, get yourself in a routine it's not just routine of hey coming into the facility but it's of your life like when you go to bed when you watch film so it just all plays a part into your success throughout your life and you know in the nfl as well
2: awesome i want to talk to you about the end of that browns game um so you take a knee right to run the clock at, at, you know on the other side of the two minute warning and it right. looks it looks from our perspective right that the Browns almost dragged you into the end zone on purpose. Like miles Garrett standing around, just kind of watching the play is, is this kind of how end of game scenarios are now playing in the NFL. I know analytics probably are driving a lot of this and, you know, uh, making sure you don't want to give the opposing offense too much time after you get a go ahead score. But, but is that what happened on Sunday?
4: Yeah. So it's, it's one of those situations where the defense actually wants you to score yet because they're trying to get their, their, uh, offense the ball back um because if we score we would have been up by five points um and then if we didn't get the two-point conversion which we didn't you know we're obviously still up by five and not seven and so that's what they banked on and yeah so they allowed us to score so the plan was for us you know uh, was to not score <laughs> literally you know you don't hear that too often from you know, offensive players uh, but yeah we wanted to take a knee or like they wanted me to go down um so I was kind of just bouncing around and I was about to go down and right before that they literally yeah, all like jumped on me and just held me and basically threw me in the end zone and everyone's standing around like what the heck why would you just score like why didn't you just go down I was like what well, I was about to but uh you didn't see what just happened uh, so yeah that was interesting for sure
1: Awesome the general public knows how good Derwin James is but I don't think we truly you know kind of appreciate how special of a talent he is do you have a memory of something or some time in practice
4: or even a game where he just made you go, wow. Uh, probably his rookie year. I think his rookie year is when he really just surprised me because obviously that was the first time I've seen him play. Um, that would have been my second year. I think we had like a one-on-one where he was guarding me and just feeling his strength. I remember he just jammed me up and I could not move um he I was literally just jammed on line of scrimmage and this is a rookie so I'm like oh great I just got you know showed up by the rookie uh so it just made me feel bad it's like all right all right and then you know ended up being a pretty good player so it feels bad later on but um yeah that was just his strength and his size and just he's like literally the the complete player when it comes to playing safety um you know he's been dealing with some injuries so he's definitely uh you know glad to be back on the field. We're glad to have him back out there making plays. And He's, he's more than just a you know, great player. He's also a great leader on the field as well. So, you know, he's got a lot of lots of part of the game
2: that we are
4: appreciative of having back.
2: Speaking of another one of your teammates, Rashawn Slater. I mean, what a great rookie year for that guy. He seems like a gem that you guys picked up. Um, I saw that after the game, you talked to the press and you said that you know Slater was telling you and the other running backs, like, hey, we we don't have to chip Miles Garrett anymore. Uh, I'm doing a pretty good job handling it myself. How often do, like, these game plans uh, change kind of in-game and you're reacting to what you're seeing on the defensive side live rather than what you guys practice ahead of time? And how good is Slater overall as an offensive tackle?
4: Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Tom Telesco, our GM, for uh, snagging Slater Uh, because he has been holding it down for sure. Um, You know, just – surprised us all we don't really you don't really know what you're going to expect from a rookie coming in even if they are first round you like you expect them to have some production but the production that he's had and really been locked down over there pretty secure um has you know exceeded expectations and so you know we're definitely thankful to have him over there i know i'm thankful to have him in our run game as well um he's just the complete tackle and so yeah when you know he's he's asking not us not to chip because you know we're having people were hitting them too hard and now they're bouncing off and stuff like that. It's like, wow, this guy, he, he gets the game. Like he understands like how he needs to on certain guys, you know, at a young age is super, super, you know, just impressive. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's going to, think he's going to continue to be locked down over there, which is great because you know, obviously he's protecting Justin's backside.
1: They say, if you're not
4: getting better, you're getting worse. And heading into week five, you're one of four players in the NFL
1: who had over 400 yards from the line of scrimmage and two or more reception touchdowns. What do you do to make sure that you're always improving? And is that just watching the other running backs around the league, honing in a specific part of your game? Just walk us through that process.
4: Yeah, man. I, I you know, I think uh, this kind of relates to you know, Coach or Coach uh, Foster, a running back coach. He asks us every week, like, "Hey, what do you work on this week?" And you know, for me, it's really, it's really about efficiency. It's about efficiency. Like, I'm, I'm not watching other running backs. Like, I'll watch, you know, the highlights as far as just like the explosive run tape, just to see what everyone else is doing. But I'm not really catching keys from that because. We all have our own play style. We all have our own game um, that has gotten us to this point in our life. And so for me, it's, you know, I'm not, you know, running people over. For me, it's really about being bursty and really just efficient with my, with my movements and getting that feel quick. Like I would say quick more than fast. Right. And so what what do I mean by that? This goes like deep beyond like what people say in the stands. This is like, instead of like running directly into someone, if I don't have a lot of room, it's about attacking his right shoulder. You know, it's about making a jab with my right foot. That's a little bit wider than usual. and trying to move him off, you know, half a foot. Um, Just, just things that we don't, you don't think about, but you do in practice, you know, to, to actually try to move people um and just it helps you be efficient instead of me you know getting tackled and stuff right there now I'm falling forward for two three yards uh, when I'm catching a ball you know where's where's the ball around me is, is it tight to my body is it out and just being more efficient I'm moving and so that's always what I've been you know trying to work on is just hey when Austin has the ball in his hands what does he do well he he gets yardage right and how's that because he's smart and he's tactical with his movement.
1: Well, Austin, you ran a four-four-three and you jumped 40 inches in the vertical. So I'm, I'm going to say you're pretty explosive. But I, I do want to <laughs> thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck this season. We, we enjoy watching just the Chargers offense as a whole. So appreciate it and take care, man.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on.